You are listening to The Serpent Cast. I'm Sophie St. Thomas. And I'm Annabelle Gatt. So, Annabelle, any news for our listeners this week? Yes, my monthly horoscopes went up on Broadly last week. So if you want to read what's in store for you for the coming month, you should go over there and check it out. Yay! Thank you so much to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. If you want to be in the Serpent Slut Coven, you can go over to patreon.com slash the Serpent Cast and help us out. So Sophie, who do we have to shout out this week? We have so many new members to our coven and I want to thank all of them. Thank you to Margot and Heather. Morshacked Ruckmike and thank you for your pledge very much. Thank you Tess and thank you Billy. Billy is our first sugar daddy serpent slut and that that meant a lot. That means so much to us. So much to us. Whatever works for you and your financial situation, all are welcome. I would also like to... Oh, someone deleted it, so I'm not going to thank you, but I under, <laughs> I, I, under, I understand. <laughs> and thank you to Thomas, Layla, Leah, and Satushi. And oh, someone else deleted it. Not so cool, but that was some personal beef we learned out later. And that is it. Thank you. That's a big... Our coven is expanding rapidly. Our coven is expanding rapidly. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Our lovely serpent slut, Casey Halter, is on the show anymore for now, but perhaps she'll be here for future episodes. And until then, you can keep up with her and all of the cool projects she's working on, like Silica Magazine, over on Instagram and Twitter at Ivy St. Ive, at I-V-Y-S-T-I-V-E. We are here this evening with Jack the Stripper. Hey. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I'm crunching Cheetos. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sophie's fantastic. I'm great, though. Well, when you're done chewing, I'm going to let you ask the first question that we ask all of our amazing guests. Jack, what is your sign and what is your Hogwarts house? Oh, my God. I listened to your podcast and I don't have an answer to the second one because I was wondering. We're going to sign So one. I'm Aquarius. Oh. Aquarius rise in like Aquarius a thousand times and Cancer rising. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know. I was thinking like, what house am I? And I actually was in Salem over the weekend and they have a wand shop that is straight out of Harry Potter. There's this woman who's basically a performance artist and she walks in and and she narrates what all the wands are about. Like, you know when you go into a, a store in a movie, like a witch shop, and there's some sage woman in the corner whispering to you about what everything is and everything you're touching and why that relates to you as a person? Uh-huh. Like, oh, that one's very powerful. Like, there's a real person in Salem who does that. Me, as an astrologer, like, that was what I wanted to be when I was a kid. Yeah. I was like, I want to be that person who, like, tells people things. So that's yeah. why I have this job now. Yeah, she was um, incredible. So did you get a wand? I didn't get a wand. I bought a new tarot deck, though. Oh, nice. Okay. At a different place. I got the Lioness deck at House Witch, which mm. is this cool little witch shop. It's like the Oracle. It's like the, uh, oh, God, I think it's called the Oracle deck, the collage deck from the 80s. Do you know this tarot deck? Yes, I do. I forgot it's, what it's called. What do, you, know, what do you mean by Voyager. 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 What do you mean by collage deck? It's, it's made with collage. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Of like geodes and like athletes and weird things. And this, that that's the Voyager tarot deck. And this tarot deck is like a femme, rosy version of that with lots of lion cutouts and flowers. I was super into it. Are you drawn I, to lions? 
Um, well, my wife is a Leo. So, and you're an Aquarius. Mm-hmm, I tame that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah. What was the first time you remember like being like, "I've tamed her"? I mean, all the time. All the time. <laughs> How about the all last the time? time? The last time. Or a good time, or a bad time. Tell us about a time. No, that's too personal. It's okay. Too okay. Personal. <laughs> I'm curious because Annabelle is writing, if you don't mind me saying, a book all about. Sign compatibility that Chronicle made, Books 2019 that cool. basically states that when you know things like I'm a Scorpio, so who might be a bad match? So, like, Scorpio, Scorpios and Leos are supposed to be bad, oh, difficult, yes. And I actually can confirm that my soul that those have gone up in, in flames for me, but she is writing about how you have to look at the whole chart and you can't just like always make a judgment. And we were talking about that earlier today. And I don't know what what's, what do you think your Aquarius Leo vibe is like? And Annabelle, do you have what do you what is that supposed to be like? Wait, what is my vibe about Aquarius in terms of what I attract? Just I'm curious what how you feel the Aquarius Leo dynamic is. We're very different, and we have very different strengths. There's like no similarities between Aquarius and Leo, apart from like both needing a lot of attention. <laughs> um, and we really I don't know in. We really dote on each other and take turns doing that, and it's really good. And, like, Leo's needs so much attention, but it's different than Aquarius' attention. Like, I need a stage. I need a mic. I need lights. Like, Leo's need recognition, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a totally different kind of attention and validation that we like. So how does this help us sort Jack? Well, there's one th- more thing I want to say about Leo's and Aquarians. Okay. They're both very cool. But the difference between Leo and Aquarius being cool is that Leo's the kind of cool that fits in and has like the jeans that everyone wanted in seventh grade and like, you know, like the the cool like sneakers or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Aquarius is the cool that is like, fuck all of that. That's so true. I'm the kind of cool that completely stands out, that's the rubble, that's completely different. So these two signs are opposites, but the thing with all opposite signs is they all kind of have a similar goal, but they do it completely differently. So mm. their similar goal is coolness, but Aquarius is like the rebel, Pee Wee Herman saying like, I'm a, you know, a loner, Dottie, got to go do my own thing. And the Leo is like, you know, prom queen who like fits in with everyone. Totally. To me, Aquarians are always kind of like um, these otherworldly, like, charismatic leaders who want to start a rebellion and everyone follows them. And am I describing them right at all? Totally. I love that. Yeah. I mean, like Ellen and Oprah are both Aquarius. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, that's right. Fearless, you know, our American leaders. But there is something like a little, not inhuman in like a heartless way, but in a like They're the aliens of the Zodiac. Exactly, exactly. They, they've come from another planet to teach us about, you know, love and light. <laughs> That's so cute. I yeah. like, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I never hear anything I don't like about it being Aquarius. That's another Aquarian trait. <laughs> where you're like, you guys are really impulsive and unpredictable. I'm like, fuck yeah, I am. And they're like, we don't value that. I'm like, I do. I value being impulsive and like kind of aloof, but not aloof, just like not caring about trivialities. Detached. You know? Yes, Logical. extremely detached. And like, it's really hard to get me to feel things. That's so true. I think about- with, I, my heart is like, Dominated by like logic. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, then that means that you're a Ravenclaw. Does it? Yeah. Well, you have that a touch sounds- of Slytherin in you with your cancer stuff, but right. it's a, you're a Ravenclaw. Which Slytherins how- are like the cunts, right? Yeah. We're both Because there's like a cunt streak in me, but I'm like made of sunshine also. Aww. So it's like... <laughs> you, get some, you can hang out with the Slytherins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I love like, I love like bitchy women who always look mischievous. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Ontario and like an hour or two hours outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. So like... The farmland and the like, the boonies and the burbs, bit of both, bit of column A, bit of column B. Interesting. Yeah, and I was a competitive dancer and a snowboarder. Those Ooh. were like my things that cool. I did. When you say competitive dance, like 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 every weekend was a road trip to another shitty town in Ontario where we where I learned how to apply stage makeup and compete in competitions for trophies and medals that we would stitch onto a teddy bear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jazz, acro, lyrical, ballet. Yeah. I loved it. Didn't you do dance? But I was was bullied. I did do dance. (laughs) So I quit. Yeah. I did do dance. I was on um, the dance team in high school. I grew up in New York City and we didn't have any of that. Yeah. There was no football team. There was no dance. There was none of it. Oh, none of it was with school. Like oh. school. No, this is like after school activities. No, I Canadian high school, like American high school is like a myth to me of like <laughs> everyone having these like beautiful three-story buildings with big bay windows and like all the desks in a line facing the front. Like in high That's school true. in Canada, all your desks are like pushed together in little groups. Mm-hmm. Your school is like probably built in the 70s and it's just like a giant flat, looks like a, I don't know, it look, it's just a giant flat red brick building that's super ugly and like from far away you don't even know it's there because it's so low to the ground. And like you don't do sports after school. Like you can do sports, but there's no, it does not make you cooler. <laughs> sports <laughs> like maybe, maybe makes you cooler, but like not really. Like it was just kind of like academically focused and like, if you had other hobbies and interests, that was cool. But there was like maybe two people who went to the football game. There's no stands or bleachers, nothing. It's just like a field. Did you do comedy back then? Oh my god, no. Well, how? Tell us how that started. No, I didn't start doing comedy. I mean, I did public speaking and like debate, but I just did debate so I could like go on a field trip to the city uh-huh. and drink. <laughs> um, which was actually, I was actually a really good kid in high school. I didn't do anything. I stayed in the library every lunch, so I wouldn't eat my lunch, you know, when that's sad. But like, yeah. I just did all of my homework and like wanted to get the fuck out of there. But I didn't start doing, co- I started, I loved public speaking, but I never really saw any of my passions as being worthy of a career. Like, I loved dancing, I loved comedy, and I loved art. But I never, ever in my life thought like that would be something you could do. I was mm-hmm. like, that's a pipe dream. Nobody gets to do that. Like, I used to want to be an actress. And I was like, well, like everybody wants to be an actress, but like that's ridiculous. And then I just started, now I'm a comedian, a yeah, dancer, and how, a so fucking what, actress. I yeah, mean, stripping how, is acting. How it is, but now you're doing all the three things that, that I always wanted to do. Wanted to do, and you've been quite successful how I mean I know you can't answer in a sentence but how did that happen well there's 
so I graduated in 2009, which was a shitty time for jobs. I had a job in advertising and like my most, ex- the ex- I was really excited about advertising cause I was excited for the power suits. Like everything about me is costume. Like I love, <laughs> like the only thing that motivates me to work is to perform it, uh-huh. you know? So I got this job in advertising. The job sucked. My job description was to go into office tower bathrooms and assess advertising opportunities for when people were taking a shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was my big job out of college. That was like what we celebrated. I was like, wow, Jackie got a job. Let's celebrate. Don't ever call me Jackie. I was about to say. Yeah. That's what my family calls me. Yeah. So I graduated and I was like, this sucks. Like I was also a bartender at the time. And is that was way more Toronto fun. This is in Montreal. In Montreal, okay. Yeah, all this happened in Montreal. And then uh, I went traveling. I just went to Thailand and I got a job on Craigslist being a dinner theater dancer in Bangkok. Oh, cool. Yeah, Craigslist is like not a thing there, but there was one weird like ex-military guy running this crazy cheesy nightclub and he posted that on Craigslist for like entertainers. And I was like, I can do that. And I just... Got paid like 60 bucks a night, which in Thailand is like a fortune, to just show up and dress in stupid costumes and talk to the guests and dance and like be a hype girl. Yeah. I realized then and there that I could make a living being an entertainer. And once you realize you can do that, you can do it anywhere. And then I moved to Australia and that town's expensive. That town, that, that country is <laughs> where, very where expensive. Were you in Australia? Sydney. I, yeah. Yeah. I moved to, a, to Sydney and then within a few weeks I started stripping because I was like, oh my God, I'm so poor. I cannot live like this. And then here we are. Comedy started a couple years later. Comedy was really just an accident. Like I met a super washed up comedian at the strip club working the day shift. And I was miserable. And he was like, he was pretty successful, actually. He's not anymore. But he took me out. He was like, I want to hang out with you. I was like, I'm gay. We're not going to have sex. He was like, that's fine. You can be my gay. Like an accessory. Uh-huh. You know? Like how famous people have like accessories. So he took me around the West Village and like we'd get super drunk and high and he'd workshop his set at the Comedy Cellar and go to all these clubs and tell jokes. And I was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And I, he directed me to a comedy school and I just like took a class because I had written The Beaver Show and no one gave a shit. Excuse me. No one gave a shit about The Beaver Show. No one wanted to publish it. And I was like, I got to find a new way to tell the story because I still like, if you're a storyteller, you're always going to be a storyteller. You just have to find a way that, to make people listen. So that's yeah. why single panel comics are great because people can just consume your information in like one quick sound, not sound bite, but in a quick square. And we think in squares now, so... I love your squares. Genius. By yeah. The way. Thank you. Yeah. I love your squares. That's what we just no, say about Instagram. I, I, I do. love your Insta. I love your square stuff. <laughs> I do. Yeah. You know, not to like totally change the mood, but um I remember when I like discovering you and your work and you were I told you this at your book launch and I think I got really emotional, but you you honestly were very you changed the way I saw sex workers and spoke about them and it meant a lot to me and I'm sure I'm not the only one fuck that's that's thank you it's it's so true yeah I mean I thought the worst thing was about sex workers until I became one I mean the ironic thing is that when I was like making these jokes I was also doing like topless fucking photography and shit you know like yeah yeah but your your work was very important to me so thank you Thank you. One thing that a friend of mine and I talk about a lot is about how if you're a sex worker and you're 
a woman and you're straight, you're going to have to either find a dude who's like, you know, somehow like hip enough to the whole thing or else you're going to constantly kind of confront yourself with these like men who like don't know how to handle it. And it's like very like, they're like, ah, oh my God, like, what does this mean? Like they just, they don't really know how to deal with it. But if you're gay or you're queer, you don't really have that problem because there isn't the same like weird patriarchal stuff that comes in. So I was wondering if you have any thoughts about that or if you've experienced that or noticed that. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. And they've changed over the years. Like in the beginning, I was like, wow, being gay is so convenient. You know, but my sexuality is also, sorry, <laughs> my sexuality has also morphed a lot. I mean, I've been a stripper for eight years. I've What I've been attracted to and how I feel sexually has had many different iterations since then and how I identify and whatever. So I don't know. I think a lot of people are like, wow, so gay privilege as a sex worker is a thing. And I don't know. I don't know that I like that. I don't know that I agree because like there's no such thing as gay privilege. Polarizing or dividing it like that by saying like it's hard to be straight as a sex worker and it's easier to be queer kind of like gives dudes a pass on not having any compassion. It's like they just don't have any, so that's just going to be hard for me. It's like, no, you need to hold men to a higher standard. You need to hold all people you date to a higher standard, and it's not about being queer or being straight. It's about not tolerating bullshit while you're making a living, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. And a, and a lot of people really struggle with, and I think, oh, God, this is so nebulous. And I'm not like, I don't know, I'm not looking for like a husband or anything, so I don't know. A lot of girls who are like hoping to get married or struggle with that, but like, I think holding off on telling people what you do for a living makes perfect sense. I understand why people don't want to be out about it. But the longer you keep it inside, the more you the people will see that as you're keeping it inside because you're ashamed. Mm-hmm. And they will use that against you, whether they're aware of it or not. So I'm always right, off the get, right out of the gate being like, this is what I do. It's not even like, are you okay with it? I just tell people, and if you're not okay with it, here's the door. I don't even say that. It's just a given. That's hard for a lot of people, especially if you like don't want to do sex work forever and you want to become a school teacher, you can't ever come out. Yeah. yeah. So then coming out to your partner or somebody you want to fuck or whatever is different. I don't know. I don't have a straight answer to that. Like, I th- Well, I think it's not like a straight thing because I know plenty of sex workers who date men and they meet them and the men are totally fine with the whole thing. And then six months later, it turns out that actually it's a huge problem and they're really insecure and it's like, it's not a straight thing because people don't know how they feel about things often until they think about it more. And Yeah, and men need to have that experience. Men are so fucking comfortable. I'm over it. Yeah. I am over their comfort. Yeah. You know, men don't give a fuck about our discomfort. Yeah. So we should at least, so why should we give a fuck about theirs? Yeah. I really like... Don't give a shit if you're uncomfortable and you have feelings about my job. You work through them. Especially rich men. I'm sorry. I'm just like, my tolerance for people being judgmental about things such as sex work or any type of work when they've never had to worry about money has just been so shattered. I I, I, I just can't. Yeah, and like classism. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People saying shit. To, to me about like why I do sex work or to anyone it's just like it's so classist you're like how dare you think that everybody in the world gets to choose their number one profession yeah and it's also classist to assume that everyone who is a sex worker 
is doing it because it's their only choice. Right. I know a lot of people who maybe at the time when they started, it was their only choice, but they've continued doing it because they enjoy doing it. Sorry. And, you know, maybe they want, you know... Whatever. Well, yeah, and like you don't. It's not about enjoying it. And or, I don't know. When I first came out, I was like, I fucking love this, and I can't ever talk about the bad times because people won't get it, and people will be like, you should probably quit. And then you realize it's a job, and not everybody loves their job every day. Yeah, it's a job like yeah. any other yeah. job. I remember you tweeting something about it made so much sense to me. You know, like as a freelance writer, I'm allowed to be like, oh, I love that I can write at night. I love that I don't have to go into an office. And I can be like, oh, I hate that I have to chase down invoices. I hate that I don't have health insurance. But sex workers don't have... I'm not even getting into the fact that I literally write about myself having sex. Forgive me if this is totally inappropriate. I always wonder like the line of what constitutes sex work and the different degrees of like acceptability society gives you depending on how it's done. But I feel like a sex worker just can't bitch about the hard stuff the same way that other people can. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. That's why we have like such tight communities mm-hmm. because like if you've done the work, you understand and you don't need to preface it with all of this shit. Like if you have a bad night at work and you need to tell somebody and the person you need to tell hasn't done sex work, you need to like grease them up with like 35 positive anecdotes and like this is what usually happens like you have to explain why everything is usually fine and why this like is a weird aberration it doesn't normally happen but i'm upset about it i need to talk about it whereas like if you've already done it you'd be like yo someone fucking did something awful to me at work like you can just come out with it without having to explain that it doesn't usually happen you know what i mean yeah like i i do so much management of people's fears and judgments mostly fears like the whole idea that like sex work isn't safe is hugely fucking true because of FOSTA and SESTA but the fact that they people think it's not safe when I like go to a strip club I'm like that's the safest fucking place in the world there's like 12 men leering in the corner who I personally pay to keep me safe like I feel safe there I don't even know where I was going with that. But also, what your question about like who identifies as a sex worker, I mean, I think that's just a journey. I don't think anybody walks into a strip club or a rub and tug or goes on their first appointment and is like, I'm a sex worker. I think it's a word that you kind of come to on your own terms. And some people think it's sexy work. Some people call it sex work. Some strippers do not identify as sex workers. And, like, that's really problematic, but it's not up to me to tell you what you are and what you aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole world is telling us what we are. So it's like, yeah, you can come to on your own terms. But I think, and every different part of the sex work community has different struggles. Like, strippers are having a huge, there's so many problems that strippers have that are unique to stripping. Yeah. And we don't experience, like, we don't experience the backlash of Backpage being shut down. Like, it's different. Some girls are bitching about how, like, it's going to bring more. Like, full-service women into the club, and it's like, shut up. Like, yes, that's, like, going to happen. That's always happened. That's always how people find clients. Like, you, your, her boundaries are not yours. Chill. I don't know. I'm going on so many tangents. I don't even know what I'm saying. No, What am okay. I saying? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I turned the conversation dark, which I might No, it's know. okay. I think, it's all, I, yeah. think, I think you're totally you're doing making, good. Yeah. I'm following you very well. I have, yeah. I have a little comment. Totally. You could even edit out. But I remember in like the 2000s, um, one thing that I was hearing a lot was... If what you're do- if what you're doing is illegal, then it's sex work. But if it's like stripping or something, or like you know, working in a dungeon, it's not really sex work. To me, that was always very strange that that was a collective. 
Well, that belief system just perpetuates stigma. Exactly. Yeah. Like we need to decriminalize sex work, but we can't consider just sex work to be work that is illegal because that's just going to, that's not going to help anyone. Yeah. That argument. I don't know who made that argument, but like, but it's important. It's an important thing to talk about. It is. That's a really interesting uh, distinguishing remark that somebody made to you that stuck with you and if people feel that way it's like that's why stigma kills within the community too it's not just like it's not just suburban yeah let's talk about stigma it's not just like suburban housewives judging us it's everyone yeah it's people within the community judging other people in the community totally lateral whorephobia a term I learned it's when you judge somebody else who does sex work for not having the same boundaries as you do. Let's talk about boundaries and oh, sex work. Yeah. I know what I want to talk about after that. I just got so <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's talk about boundaries. What So let's say it's your first day and you're at, at a strip club and you might be there by yourself and you don't have any friends there. And all you have in your head is Jack the Stripper's voice echoing from the time you heard it on the stripping cast. <laughs> what are some like basic guidelines for protecting yourself? emotionally in the club, whether it's, um, you know, interacting with the other women there or interacting with the bouncers or interacting with your clientele. Boundaries on your first day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I say to everybody who wants to be a stripper is like, I say to everyone, I say, show up alone and do it Mm -hmm. because it's not the kind of job you can learn by studying. You have to show up and do it. And I always suggest to sh- or show up a day before and just be there as a patron. But if you're on your first day, show up early because showing up to a busy strip club is absolute mayhem and you you don't want to walk into that as your first day. Show up on like a Tuesday and just sit at the bar and watch people and see what happens, see what they're doing. Because then you can get a vibe for what the boundaries are for that club. And what the boundaries are for the club or for the state are not necessarily your boundaries, but you at least understand what is understood as general boundaries. And then you can establish your own after that. Any self-care tips for someone coming back from their first night? Count your money. Mm, I like <laughs> Count that, that paper. I like that one too. Sit with your music on. I sit in silence because clubs are so loud. I always sit in silence for like at least an hour after work. Count your money. Pat yourself on the back. That's literally my only number one ritual that I always do every night. Keep a log of what you make and what day it was and how many hours you work, you know? But I think the real ritual is just celebrating the work you did. You know, and it doesn't have to be a big banger night. Just sit with yourself and have some quiet time. My friend Chase Kelly from Survive the Club, she runs a stripper mentoring program. She's incredible. And she's like, I have a shower every night and I visualize everything that happened that night and all of the like people and their energy just Ooh. going down the drain. Mm-hmm. That's witchcraft. Because you do, it is, oh, we're all witches. We're all witches. We are yeah. all witches. And like if you're, yeah, I have so many other, you know, of those practices throughout the night. But after work, that's a really good one. I don't know. Everyone's different. I like, I shower now too. I didn't usually shower after work. I would just like come home and fall asleep with my makeup <laughs> on. I didn't care. But then... When I like moved in with my wife, she was like, you smell like other people. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I could shower for you. You know, she's like, you should just shower before bed. And it's a really good ritual. Just like, there's just a lot of like, you're sweating. There's a lot of grime. There is a lot of other people's cologne on you. It's totally yeah. a thing that happens. 
But I'm just about counting the money, man. That's that is self care. It is. Yeah. Both me and Annabelle are very pro money. Obviously, that sounds sounds so dumb, and I know that may sound so fucking Mm -mm. obvious. But so many. But why is there this taboo around wanting to have money? Because women are shamed for having ambition. Yeah, you know. Do you have a favorite money spell? No, I don't really. No, because I'm not. This is an Aquarius thing. We're too chill for the hustle. I see. <laughs> I'm all about the vibe and I'm less about counting. Like I'm I'm not a top earner. I've never been a top earner. I will never be a top earner. I do what I want. I mean, I've been in situations where I haven't been like stoked on what I've been doing. I think we've all been there, but I really am not after like I don't know. I should, if I feel, someone, my friend was like, don't say that. I was like, I'm not greedy. I don't need a lot of money. She was like, don't say that. Money is opportunity and you want opportunity. And she's absolutely right. But I don't really go for money spells. I go for the kind of people who give me money spells. Because mm. that is more important to me. Because like either I have mad respect for women who dominate or not dominate in like a dom sense, but in a into like shaping the night with a really aggressive or entitled or drunk customer. Like those bitches are fucking bosses. They do really well. And uh, they get a lot of money out of like creepy, nasty people. And I can't do that. It's not fun for me. Mm-hmm. And I, but I love that they love it. Yeah. And I love watching them work. Oh, it's amazing. It's like, it's watching witchcraft, you know, like you're watching a totally specific kind of spell. And that's really great. But mine is like not like that. So I don't really have money spells. I have just more like manifestations of the kind of person I'm going to attract. What's your favorite kind of client? Kind and generous. Makes me laugh. Tips and cash. Doesn't yeah. need to be asked Yeah, to tip. The best is when they do it because they know that it's <laughs> the right thing to do. <laughs> um, that is the best. It hardly ever. That's mm-hmm. God damn. Mm-hmm. I want to talk. I, I think I've asked Annabelle this question a bunch of times, but the the holy whore, which has <laughs> existed for so long. But if someone, whether you're a sex worker or just a person, a person who believes that women should be able to have sexualities, like way like deities to look to or am I making I'm not feel like I'm not being very eloquent because I'm trying to find I remember once being like asking you about the concept of the whole of the holy whore and I know like mythical figures mythical figures Anna Nicole Smith (laughs) is my holy whore really just to answer your question that's that's yeah like who do I pray to yeah exactly Anna Nicole Smith amazing yeah and I pray to like all of the hoes who have gone before me that's actually literally what I do. No, I, that's I pray wonderful. to all the sex workers who have gone before me happily and safely. And they always protect me. Do you have a favorite Anna Nicole story? Um or favorite I mean, image we of ruined her? her like we ruined we, Britney. Yeah. Or like Princess Diana. <laughs> yeah, totally. See, I have like I don't love Princess Di like I love Britney. And I Anna just Nicole. got into Princess Diana. It's a recent thing. I'm right? just people sh- are having like a time with yeah, her. It's yeah, I just jumped into You know, into I like that cult. Di- I like crystals, not pearls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I like sparkly things. That's why I like Anna Nicole Smith. My um, favorite Anna Nicole Smith moment was when an interviewer asked her if she works out. 
she was like, no, but I like to paint. Yeah, I saw that. I have that meme. I love that <laughs> meme. I, I love that. I resonate yeah. with that so much. Yeah. She just yeah. didn't give a fuck. And she was very, I mean, anything she said, they're like, you're exploiting. There was somebody like shouting at her. Like, I didn't even watch her reality show because it was just so heartbreaking. You know, it was just, a, it was just so many people taking advantage of her and she just wanted love. And that's, and she just, and anyway, it was just sad. But someone said, like, they're exploiting. Why are words so hard right now? I'm like breathing through my mouth. Um, they said, why are you, you're being exploited? She's like, oh, I don't care as long as they pay me. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, bitch. Like, she was such a good sex positive sex worker. With, and, and one of the things that I value the most as like more and more each day is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Like something that really frustrated me in college was like pretentious people using words I couldn't understand because like language is about communicating with people. And if you use language that people don't understand just you're to show up, them. yes, and you're not making them feel great. And I think it's really important to be accessible. And you're also not doing your your job. I see this in like writers all the time. I'm like, you're no one knows what you're talking about. You're patting yourself on the back with these words, but like, you're not, You're not communicating. Totally. I remember I was at some like pretentious Brooklyn party when I first moved here, and everyone was throwing around the word twee. And I was like, what the fuck is twee? And they're like, it's like cute. I was like, then say cute. Because like I have a degree in literature. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. You know what I mean? And I was just like, people and like whatever. Like now that I know now I know what that word is, because it made me insecure at the time. But like just just and that's a small word. That's not a like polysyllabic word, uh-huh. you know, but like, I but it's still an ex- it's it's exclusive is the wrong word, but it's, it's it's still an excluding word. Yeah, and like, hey, I love having fun with language. I love words so much. So, like, I'm not just shitting on everyone who loves to use a thesaurus. That's great, but I why I love Anna Nicole was that she just spoke plainly and yeah. candidly, and she was just the most delightful bimbo. And like, who wouldn't want to marry her? You know, she did such a good job. Why wouldn't you want to marry an old guy? They don't have a lot of energy. They don't expect a lot. They just want you to smile and giggle at them. If like if I had to marry a man, it would be an old one <laughs> who was super rich and just loved making me happy. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you want that? There's so much shame around like women like marrying wealthy men and you're like look at this world we live in like i'm really mad that like intersectional feminism is not really inclusive of trophy wives because trophy wives are like the best whores out there they get everything that they want and like they're extremely good at like whipping men around and you know i don't know how much they're doing to contribute to the community of other women but I think but there's also no, no way to know that they're not contributing. Right, I, I exactly. Mean, I, I want to know, if you were given a um, million dollars to open a strip club, what would it look like? What would it be like? What would the vibe be? What would it be like? Okay, I'm ready. So it would be a church. Awesome. And it would be called Worship. Ooh. A new church or you would buy an old one? I'd buy an old one. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Suburbs or city? Suburbs. It's got to be. I'd just get whacked by the mob if I tried to open one in a city. Okay. This needs to be in, like, Iowa. No, like, strip clubs no, are owned by criminals. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't... I speak very uh, kindly about strip clubs because I would like to live for a long time. And I've seen bad things that they do to people who, like, 
aren't nice yeah. publicly. So yeah, my strip club is called Worship. Um, you can wear whatever you want. There's no dress code. Oh, so you have to pay $100 to get in the door. And your $100 gets you $100 in tokens. And the tokens can only spend on the dancers. Yeah, because a lot of... Have you guys been to strip clubs where you pay $20 for cover? We don't get that. But twenty paying $20 gives people the sense of entitlement to the show. And like, no, you just paid someone to walk in the door. It's not the same thing. So you would get these tokens thrown around so that the expectation of interacting is part of everybody walking in the door. Because a lot of people just sit in the corner and stare, and I hate that. Like, it's so rude. Mm-hmm. It's like you can just stay home and watch porn <laughs> if you want to just stare at women. You know what I mean? Pay for it. Uh-huh. But, like, you know, we're here to interact with you. So, and then what else? We would have a pizza party room and a pajama party room. And... Those are pretty much the most important things. And no R. Kelly, no Chris Brown, a female DJ or whatever, a femme DJ, I don't care. But like a DJ who plays music that women want to listen to. Or not mm. just women. I think it would be like a, it would be a genderqueer club. Like there yeah. should be something for everyone. Yeah. Like everyone's, I just, they have to just be sexy. Like you have to audition, but like you have to just be sexy. And if you feel sexy and and I feel like your vibe when you're on stage, I would hire you. You know, because sexy people are just sexy. It's not really about their gender or whether they fit fit a certain ideal. It's just like an energy that comes out of them that you can't stop looking at them. It's true. It's not even like a physical thing. It's no, it's, it's an attitude. Total, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd want a lot. Would of there variety. be a bar? Absolutely. People got to get drunk to get loose to spend money. Like and a, I would a like to make bar money or like a tiki bar or a martini bar. Like, what are we thinking? Oh my god, a martini glass in a strip club? Ugh, no. <laughs> um. It would probably be like, it would be cool if it was like Coyote Ugly. Cool. Uh, like the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that also made me want to be a stripper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually worked at a bar that was like Coyote Ugly. We danced in the bar and like only made shitty well drinks and it was really fun. We had wet t shirt contests. Oh. I loved it. I, I loved the attention. Tending. Yeah, it's great. I love attention. I love, I love attention. attention. I need a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then what would the audition process be like? That's a good question. It would be, what would the audition process be like? I would say, what? pick a song. You get 30 seconds of that song. And impress you. Impress me, yeah. Cool. That's what I would do. And like you would have to like, yeah, that would be it. Because I went to, I did a three song audition recently. Not even that recently. That was hell. Three songs, that's 10 minutes. It's long. And then, then I got rejected. And like, and it was at this club in the city, and you you couldn't see who you were dancing for because you always show up early if you want to audition. Like, don't audition at peak hour. They don't like it's rude. Uh-huh. They're really busy. Don't do that. Um, so you're acting all hot and sexy for no one, and they and you can't even see the people auditioning you because they're hiding in the corners where it's dark. So you can't see them. You just have to like be totally into yourself for ten minutes in this new awkward place. Of course, I got rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you learned from ever being rejected from auditions? Well, I get rejected all the time. Auditions, I also get rejected, but like all night at strip clubs, you get rejected. Oh, shit. Yeah. What I've learned is that, because so I'll just preface it with like growing up, I was like, I struggled with like bulimia. I mean, growing up, like for like my entire young adult life and up until I was 22 and then I got help. But like, 
I was like starving myself and throwing up so that I would like be skinny and perfect because I thought that was how you were supposed to be hot. I thought there was like one kind of hot because of magazines because like that's what influences what you believe is beautiful. And then when you go to a strip club and you see all of these different shapes of women, I mean, it's not as diverse as it should be, but it's way more diverse than you think it's going to be when you walk in and just seeing all of these different kinds of bodies and attitudes and styles make so much money and just seeing that like everybody has value and not everybody's going to value one person the most you know what I mean there's not like even if there's a top earner there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like that person and who doesn't want that person it's just always going to be like that and just stripping really saved me that way of just like knowing that I'm not for everybody you know and that's okay I don't want to be for everybody that would be like being generic and that's so boring. And Aquarius says, don't do that. No. No. No, and I don't want to force anything. Like, if you don't like me, that's cool. Like, I'm not going to try to make you like me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's another thing, like, people-pleasing. Like, yeah. the, when you get rejected all the time, you realize that trying to please people is futile. It's like, people will like you and people will not. And trying to get people to like you is just going to make you profoundly unlikable. And it's also, like, I think it's just so, so crushing to try to make yourself into the person that this other person wants you to be you know whether this is professionally whether it's personally in a relationship but I don't know this might sound like so dumb but people choose a you know a girl who's has no tattoos and natural blonde hair and writes about politics and, you know, is, and, and just, just, and then being like, oh, I'm going to try, maybe I should like act a little more like normal and like, I don't know. Like that's, I think that's when, cause when you find someone who appreciates you for exactly who you are, it's like the most liberating and freeing experience ever. Yeah. And if you can do that for yourself, you're really winning. It, that's the key though. That's yeah. what you have to do because then you'll stop trying to impress people who I mean it's different in professional setting but totally yeah well I think normal yeah. is like not even a thing yeah and like like I feel you on I mean I guess I never felt the pressure to be normal I always felt the pressure to be like extraordinary you know and all that like like overachiever bullshit that like people with eating disorders have wait but like the first thing that I learned in sex work and stripping is you're not getting paid to be normal you're getting paid to be fucking crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, you're getting paid to be the hot, crazy girl who's going to do things that you, you will tell stories about at a bachelor party later. Yeah. Like, that's why you're at a strip club. You're there for a fantasy, you know? So if you don't deliver that fantasy, like, what are you even delivering? Like, he has that at home, you know? So just fucking wing it and do something crazy, and it's way more fun for you. Oh, I want to. I want to know stories about, like, a... Crazy thing, but I don't know if you want to share. Oh yeah, that. like I remember at the end of the night too. If I'm still standing, like I'm, I always go home early. I just do not have it in me to stay that long. This is the Aquarius too chill for the hustle thing. I'm like, I'm done. That's good. <laughs> but I found, you know, those noses that go. It's a plastic nose, and it goes over your nose, and it's like a tiny string that goes around your back, and it's mm-hmm. like a weird monster nose. It's like a, in a kid's party bag. Uh-huh. It's just junk. I put it around my thigh 
So my so the the scary monster nose was like on my pussy, <laughs> and I ran around and like flashed people and like and I was like, "Do you want to lap dance with my like monster pussy?" And they were like, "Sure." Like everybody was like, "Yeah." Like who wouldn't want to lap dance from somebody with a monster pussy? Like you want entertainment, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like what I was at at this incredible burlesque show, the Fuck You Review. It's at Bizarre Bushwick, and this girl was doing this bunny lap dance. And she was just humping this guy like a rabbit, like really fast and aggressively. And she just looked amazing. And later on, she was like, I didn't want you to think that that was like what I think a real lap dance is. I was like, girl, I would have paid for that lap dance. I wanted that lap dance. That looked like fun. Like you don't want a generic lap dance. You want someone to just do something to be like, wait, what just happened? You know, we all want some unique experience. So just like do weird shit. Like I've done so many weird things and it's like when you're just winging it and you don't know what you're going to say, that's when it's hilarious. Sometimes you really fuck up though. Sometimes you say things that are not cool (laughs) and you're like, like, oh God, I was this guy. I try to be really like affirming of everybody. Uh And this guy had um, like a robot leg, you know? And I was like, I was like, cool, because he was wearing pants, and I was like, this is amazing. He's like, yeah. I'm like, you're like a robot. And he was like, yeah. I'm like, you're like a cyborg. And he was like, stop. Oh. And I was like, I'm okay, sorry. Like, I was trying to just be super stoked on his body, uh-huh. yeah. you know? And he was like, no, stop, yeah. please. And I was like, all right, cool, sorry. He did not get a dance. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you just try shit, and you're like... This didn't work. Yeah. But the monster pussy was fun. I want to talk about your art a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. One of my favorite um, squares, as we called them earlier, because, you know, art on Instagram comes in a square. Um, and also because comic strips are squarish or rectangular. Um, one of my favorite squares of yours is a woman who's using her period blood and a braid as a paintbrush. And I love that because... Ooh. I, I think period blood is magical, and I'd love it's your opinion very on that. Oh my god, I love that that resonates with you because that's one of my pieces that I was really excited to make, and I was thinking about it for a long time, and like no one, it didn't really like get a lot of responses huh. from people. It got a response from me. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Well, yeah, I think one of the things that I've learned and that I preach and that I believe is that like to hustle is to get what you want using what you've already got. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't need stuff to get to where you need to go. You really don't. And like this illusion that you need like the right clothes and the right degree and everything is just oppressive bullshit. And like you can literally write your manifesto in period blood on a wall. Like you don't need paintbrushes. You don't need paint. It's literally coming out of your pussy. You know, like you got it all right there. Like just use it. You I know, love it. you just love free That's shit. Very powerful. Yeah. And a lot of the um, a lot of the mm-hmm. comics that you do are based on working at the club. Yeah. And I'm sure many of it is your experiences. And do other strippers share their experiences with you? And do you turn it into? Well, you had a yeah. whole book, Striptastic. Yeah. Tell Strip- us about the book. Yeah, Striptastic was. Um, like, I was working on a book, and I knew I wanted to do an illustrated book. Because after the Beaver Show came out, it was peppered with a couple of my, like, early illustrations. And a lot of people were like, oh, I thought this was going to be a comic book. And I was like, no, I just spent four years of my life trying to write this. I'm so glad you really missed my, like, doodles that take 20 minutes. Um, so I just knew I had to make an illustrated book. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to have some other people's voices? Because the Beaver Show was entirely my story. 
I'm like, let's hear what other people have to say. So I was like, I've got a survey who wants to participate. And like over the, I thought it was going to be like 20 people, like over 300 women reached out and filled out the survey. And like a lot of them filled out like long form responses to these Mm -hmm. questions. And it was incredible. The kinds of stories I had and my favorite ones I illustrated and I entered a lot of them into like fun data that I like turned into graphs and shit. And that is in Striptastic, a celebration of dope ass cunts who like money. I love that title. You can get on Amazon or strippersforever.com. Yeah, I love hearing other women's experiences because, like, I, I like I always write from my own experience and I draw from my own experience. But now that I have this platform, I absolutely have a responsibility and a desire to share other people's stories. Like, mine is just one story; it is not the story. And like, I'm like a privileged white girl from like suburban Canada. Like, I like I don't need to be the archetype. Of sex workers. There's so many other kinds of sex workers doing different shit, but I have this platform, so I really want to share other people's voices. And other people's stories are hilarious. There's nobody more entertaining than a stripper. They know how to tell a story, and they sure send them to me, and they're hilarious. And some of them are like, really, like, what? You should have put a trigger warning here. Like, <laughs> I, learned like- <laughs> so, I learned so much from that book. Like, I oh, loved, glad. loved it. But like also like re- like things like um, how vaginal discharge shows up on certain Black light. Yep. And how, and how so to wear a tampon if you're a da- like, like so many like very crucial like stripper tips that I would have like never even thought to ask. And I found it so inclusive. I'm, I'm a big body mods fan. I loved, um, whoever it was inspiration who got the button plants and she's like, whatever, I can't walk for like six weeks, yeah. but my ass is going to look great. Like, yeah, I, yeah, the book, I'm a big fan of that book and the release party book launch was like the best book launch party I've ever been to. I'm so glad yeah. that was a really fun party. There was Cheetos and, and strippers and DJs and it was the best party was the ever. Best, I'm yeah. very lucky. My wife is really helpful with like throwing amazing parties. That's her gift. That's and she knows people who are gift. really good at it. So yeah. that's that's all my wife and Milk Studios has been super supportive of all of my endeavors. And they've th- helped throw some incredible parties to make me look cooler than I really am. <laughs> You're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any upcoming projects or events that people should know about? I am working on some web series stuff. And it's called, it's going to be on Instagram. So they're just little short snippets, but they're called, it's called Sluts and Slippers Getting Snacks. So if you're a slut and you like snacks, you might enjoy this little series that I'm working on. Yeah, I think some, no, I think that's it right now. Like there's some other things in the fire, but nothing, no quick soundbite. And if people want to find you on the internet, where should they head to? Yeah, I can be found online at Jack the Stripper. Jack is spelled J-C-Q. And in case I get shut down, follow my follow my backup page, which is Strippers Forever. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening. I'm Sophie St. Thomas, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Bowie Cat. And I'm Annabelle Gatt, and you can follow me over on Instagram at Annabelle Gatt or on Twitter at Annabelle Gatt underscore. You can follow the Serpent Cast on Instagram and Twitter at the Serpent Cast. And if you'd like to support us and become a member of the coven, please go to patreon.com slash the serpentcast.